Oh, hello everyone. This is Kim Davis welcoming you back to another one-on-one podcast. And I have a guest with me from the UK today, David Meikle. Welcome, David. Uh, thank you very much. And the reason you're here is last night I attended a launch of David's new book. It's called How to Buy a Gorilla from uh, Lid Publishing. I'll obviously put a link with the blog so you can check it out. And we got chatting after David made some remarks at the launch and discovered that although the book is ostensibly very much about advertising, it actually is about much broader challenges which brands are facing today. Yes, that's right, Kim. Um, I started out trying to write this book about all marketing services, um, from direct marketing to digital to PR, but um, I realised it would take several volumes. (laughs) So uh, most of my experience has been in the advertising business, um, and therefore I concentrated on what I knew to develop the thinking and to um, make it a sort of more consumable um, piece of work. But um, the, the... the expression that I tend to use when I'm working with clients and agencies is that in most marketing services, and not all, but in most marketing services, the reason that a marketing services organisation is hired is to provide a solution to a problem with unlimited possible solutions, Right. which is um, what I encourage um, agencies to talk about, because if it is a problem with unlimited possible solutions, then the nature of the way that a a client and an agency behaves, regardless of the discipline that they're in, is one of, um, to a degree, co-creation, but uh, financially it's a a relationship of investment. Right. And the the nature of an investment in that uh, that relationship is is necessarily different to many other kind of transactional relationships. Yeah. Now, I should have said a little bit more about you. You were 16 years with... Ogilvy and Mather, troubleshooting on accounts and working on some very big accounts like BP and Nestle and so on. So come to this with a very thorough background in the challenge-facing challenge agencies. And it's, a, it's an unusual title for a book, The Mention of the Gorilla. So what's the, the what kernel? Is gorilla? Of, yeah, the, the kernel <laughs> of it is you break down some very complex issues by talking about monkeys. Yes. So let's go right to the monkeys. Yes, I know. It does sound a little (laughs) bit strange. Okay, so um, in in about 2009, I was doing some work with uh, the Incorporated Society of British Advertisers, Mm -hmm. ISBAR, and they told me that most clients were out there saying that they want to buy a gorilla. (laughs) And a gorilla at that time was uh, a reference to a Cadbury's commercial that was made in 2007 by Fallon London. Um, that broke all sorts of conventional rules in terms of the way advertising works. And for Cadbury, it was extraordinary. Um, it uh, didn't have the normal voiceovers, it didn't have the milk-pouring shots, it didn't have the demo sequence. In fact, it didn't have any of the normal attributes of, a, of an ad. And it failed on a number of different levels in pretests. However, um, the determination of the marketing director, who was somewhat extraordinary himself... Um, a guy called Phil Rumble. Um, he, um, with some bloody-minded determination and, and frankly probably putting his job on the line, managed to get this commercial made and it proved incredibly successful. Right. So what that demonstrated is that if you want an ad, uh, and the reason that I use Gorilla therefore as a, as a metaphor for ads or campaigns in any discipline that have a, a real stopping power, yeah. they have to break rules to be extraordinary. So... 
what what has what has happened is that as an industry, um, we have gravitated closer and closer to the mean of what advertising should look like, um, and I mean advertising in its broadest sense, um, and therefore it becomes less and less distinctive. Yeah. So we have to be braver about what it is that that, that we do in order to be um, more effective in the way that we communicate. And the the I, I had. Um, in the, in the middle of writing this book, which was at that time titled How to Grow, Buy a Gorilla, I had lunch with Mark Earls, mm-hmm. who's an old colleague of mine and the author of um, Copy, Copy, Copy and Heard and, and so on. Um, and he said, I love the monkey thing. You've got to do more with the monkey thing. More, so, more monkeys. So, yeah, more <laughs> monkeys, please. So, yeah. uh, so I extended the analogy because yeah. I, I, what I was trying to... Um, do was to suggest that there are different kinds of business problems and we can't just always say what you need is a very expensive big yeah. multi-channel campaign you don't want a gorilla every week exactly yes. and and sometimes clients business problems mean they can't afford a gorilla and sometimes clients business problems mean that actually if we run a gorilla we're going to cannibalize another brand mm-hmm. so there are different kinds of business problems so i then characterized you know a, a small investment challenger brand as a spider monkey right. so a spider monkey is a much more agile, much more creative, um, much more free-thinking, higher-risk strategy. Um, And on the other end of the scale, the much more conservative business problem um, is uh, characterised as an orangutan. Because an orangutan, although it's a crowd-pleaser, is a lot more predictable. It's a slower-moving thing. It's not quite as terrifying or it doesn't make your hair stand on end quite like a gorilla does sometimes that's what you want sometimes that's what you want exactly um and it can be because you're in a category that is is very heavily restricted it can be that you're uh in a a, you know a a client organization is particularly risk averse there are all sorts of different reasons why an orangutan might be what you want but my contention in the book is that in all marketing services there are different kinds of people who are better at and worse at making these different kinds of campaigns. And that the way that clients behave, the processes that they employ with agencies and the way they pay agencies will help determine the kind of talent that they get working on their business and the motivation of that talent um, and how hard they work. It it kind of stands to reason that if you're a high-control client who tells the agency what to do and is very intolerant of initiatives that you're not going to get great people working on your business. Interesting. Um, So what I'm trying to do for for marketers and and procurement as well is to kind of lift the lid on the way an agency actually works um, in terms of the way talent works, the way talent is motivated and how that then translates into client value. Okay, one thing I wanted to say, looking through the book, um, there, are, there are lots of books coming out every week about marketing and advertising, and sometimes you open them, I don't see be many words in there. Believe me, this is a very detailed <laughs> and thorough uh, explanation of the concepts we can just touch on in the podcast. I just wanted to read a sentence here. You can use the monkey house for media planning, media buying, PR, direct marketing, digital social content development, anything at all. So it's a concept with broad application. Yes, absolutely. And the part of it I really wanted to tease out, and you just mentioned it briefly, is risk. Because yes. Uh, this makes absolute sense to me. When you're looking at the gorilla and the spider monkey and the orangutan, what you're really looking at are, are levels of risk. And risk is something 
people, brands need to really face, come face to face with today? One hundred percent. I mean, it, and it's not a word that's used frequently enough in meetings. Yeah. The nature of any kind of investment is that it is speculative, and therefore, it it is absolutely implicit in an investment that whilst the money is going into something else, it is transforming and therefore coming back as hopefully a sum greater than the principal. That's the nature of an investment. Because you're not controlling that something, there is risk. So I think it's important for us to have a grown-up dialogue about what risk is. And the different monkeys represent essentially three different risk profiles. Mm -hmm. So a spider monkey risk profile is a smaller investment with a high risk factor and a high possible return. Um, A gorilla is a high investment with a... Uh, a reasonable risk factor, but with a moderate expect with, with with sorry with a moderate risk factor and a high expectation of return. Yeah. The reason that it's moderate is that you've already hit critical mass. You're already market leader if you're buying a gorilla. Okay. And with an orangutan, actually, you trade off predictability of return on investment um, for a for, that's the price of your lower risk. Yeah. So it's perfectly reasonable, and all of these strategies um, can work differently, but. My, my contention is that once you've got that risk profile, you have to change the way you work so that what you get is appropriate to that risk profile. Because if you've got three different business problems mm-hmm. and you just put the same stuff into the sausage machine, yeah. then it's always going to come out a sausage. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and sometimes that's not what you want. I'm mixing metaphors here now. No, Monkeys it, and sausages. It, 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 it makes absolute <laughs> sense to me because I'm sure a lot of us... We have those days when we think, let's just stick with the orangutan because it's always worked before. It's going to work this time. Like, I just don't want to run higher risks than that. But something we were talking about last night was that in the present environment, a brand which never takes a big risk, which never goes out to look for the gorilla or even the spider monkey, mm. is just sitting there waiting to be disrupted by another brand, maybe a new 100%. brand or a startup which is going to. Yeah. Uh, risk. Absolutely right, Kim. The, the the issue is that if you if you kind of just assume the fetal position as a brand and and, <laughs> yeah. and hope that the world will go away, you're going to lose. Yes. Um, there's a degree to which you will you, you will sustain your lifespan thanks to distribution, yeah. and thanks to maybe some hardcore loyalists, but you're going to go into decline. Yeah. The nature of marketing is that it's an active business, and you have to support brands so as not to create a val- uh, a vacuum that, that your competitors might occupy. But at the same time, um, if your competitor decides to buy a gorilla Mm. and you're nowhere near as engaging as a gorilla, then you're going to lose out because this is is how advertising works. People buy emotionally. We know that from Daniel Kahneman's Thinking Fast and Slow. We know that from all sorts of aspects of behavioural science these days. Um, Les Binet and Peter Field um, with their IPA papers, we know the value of, of brand work. Um, so yes, it, it's as much as a risk to buy a gorilla, um, but but it's potentially more risky to be in a market where um, people are responsive to advertising and not employ a gorilla. Yeah, and as we said before, this also broadens out from advertising to the whole business of building a brand because we can we can all just easily think of examples of. Brands which, as you say, went into the fetal position, BlackBerry occurs to mm. me, as opposed to brands which have taken most amazing risks in building their business, like Amazon, more recently yes, Uber. Yeah. Uh, 
it is a risky environment, but if, you, if you're going to play in that environment, you have to be willing to if face it. If you're going to play, you're going to play. One, one of the examples I used of a, a spider monkey was um, Airbnb's launch right. in the UK. Um, and they, for, for their launch, they built a house on a boat and <laughs> floated it down the Thames. Wow. Now, as it was, it got huge amounts of media coverage and it was on television everywhere and it was in the newspapers everywhere and, and actually did exactly what it was. Yeah. Now, that's fine and that was a high risk that paid off, but what was the risk was the question that was asked to me. Well, here was the risk. If that had been four weeks later, mm. I think it was four weeks later, then it would have made maybe page 20 of the Metro because four weeks later there was a terrible tragedy in Tunisia right. and the news was completely covered with a terrorist attack in, in Tunisia. And that's stuff out of your control, isn't it? And yeah. it's absolutely out of your control. So they thought, they, they thought, right, we'll go for it, we'll do it, and the risk that they played is that nothing else would happen on the day when they wanted the coverage so that they would get the profile that they wanted. Perfectly reasonable risk strategy, yeah. but... The absence of it going wrong doesn't mean that it was a, a, a bulletproof strategy. It just means that they were lucky that nothing else happened that right. day. So I guess the message is, and obviously given in much more detail in the book, is understand what kind of challenge you're facing, what your objective is, and find the monkey that goes with it, but understanding that sometimes those monkeys are going to create some risks for you. Yes, it, it's, about, it's about deciding what your risk profile is, and that depends upon what your competitor activity is and whether or not you've, you've got a market that you think is easy to access for a new a newcomer. Um, if it's a difficult market to access, you know, no one's going to start a new chain of gas stations easily. <laughs> so it depends upon the market that you're in. It depends upon the competitive activity. It depends upon how um, responsive it is to, to marketing communications. But um, the most important thing is that once you've decided what your risk profile is in the monkey house, that you have to change your processes and you have to change your investment strategy to suit that monkey because otherwise, and, and, and the, the nature of the problem that I think is endemic in the marketing business at the moment is that there are lots of guerrilla problems mm -hmm. and there's mostly orangutan processes. Right. So people are, marketers are under a huge amount of pressure to, to deliver greater uh, return on investment but they are hamstrung by processes yep. and they are hamstrung by uh, investment strategies and protocols for how they manage their, their marketing money okay. and without that flexibility you're never going to be able to get it to be a gorilla. And that challenge goes to the brands doesn't it to let the agencies do what they need to do? Absolutely I mean there's a, there's a big chapter in the book about how you manage responsibility and control between clients and agencies yep. um, and what the book is about is providing a guideline to say this is how you can create the right environment in which you're more likely to get a gorilla. Okay. <laughs> this is how you can create an environment in yeah. which you're guaranteed not to get one, yeah. but if you do things right, you'll get a really good orangutan. Okay. Um, and and you, can, you can imagine if you wanted, you know, if, if, Air, if Airbnb had had a very prescriptive brief, you wouldn't have ended up with a house on the Thames. No, no. Someone, someone somewhere had to have the liberty to say, I've got an idea, it sounds maybe a bit crazy, we could just float a house down the Thames. And you have to have an environment where someone's going to say, okay, that sounds good, let's do it. Yeah. Okay, well, and that's. I didn't expect to, um, to spend part of this week talking about monkeys, but I'm glad I did. It's very enlightening, and I think uh, one of the things I suggest listeners go away and think about is the application of this to 
all kinds of aspects of brand building and brand development. It's a fascinating subject. Thanks very much indeed. David, thanks for joining us. Everyone look out for the next one-on-one podcast.